Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today with Armed Forces Day this weekend and Memorial Day coming up, the National Commander of the American Legion joins us to talk about the single most important issue facing today's service members and veterans. Also this morning in our Throwback Thursday segment, the AARP Fraud Watch Network in a new report says they are receiving four to 500 calls per day about phone scams. I'll tell you how to minimize the number you get and avoid the rackets they're selling. And what adventure of a lifetime is on your bucket list? Imagine seeing the seven wonders of the world in seven days. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, May 18th, 2023. You know how the big story that everybody's been following in the news has been the debate over the debt ceiling, the federal debt ceiling. It's got to be raised by the end of the month or else the U.S. government will not be able to pay its bills, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know the whole uh, story. Well, this is kind of interesting. How about your own personal debt limit? I mean, we've been paying attention to the national debt. What about our own personal debt According to a report, CNBC, uh, the personal debt being taken on by Americans individually has reached alarming levels with many close to their own debt ceiling. That is to say that many Americans will soon have more debt than they can realistically pay back. The average household's credit card balance is $9,990, $9,990, just shy of ten grand, And that is, again, according to the, the numbers that CNBC put together, that is just $2,000 under the level that the average household can hope to repay. Um, WalletHub uh, crunched the numbers for this CNBC report. So let me go back and emphasize this again the average credit card balance the average household credit card balance $9,990 so just shy of 10k and that's just $2,000 under the level that the average household can hope to repay so let's not get distracted by these stories in the news about the federal debt ceiling a much more concerning issue confronting many of us is our own personal debt ceiling. Uh, Because unfortunately, unlike the government, that they can get together and basically take a vote, raise the debt ceiling, borrow more money, spend more money, no big deal. Most of us can't really do that. So uh, that is kind of uh, an interesting stat there. And that wallet hub analysis. Uh, Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day... Uh, this is another one of those alarming stories about how we are now more reliant on our technology, more engrossed in our technology than ever before. Researchers at the University of Vermont have found that phone use, mobile phone use, actually increased in the city's parks and green spaces. You go to the park to use your phone? No. I think most of us would say we'd go to the park 
to experience nature. Put down your phone. Put away your technology. Enjoy Mother Nature. But that apparently is not what's happening these days. This study observed 700 participants and their smartphone habits over the course of two years. And while phone use increased in city parks, it decreased when people visited nature reserves and forests. So apparently, the park isn't getting back to nature enough. When we get get into the forest, we get into the nature preserve and that kind of thing. Then we're in nature and we put down. Although, to be fair, a lot of those places, maybe cell service is spotty at best. We have no choice but to put down our phone. Uh, researchers also found that young adults spend double the amount of time on their phones as they do in nature overall. Now, that is not surprising, but it is disturbing and disappointing, I think. More than double the amount of time on their uh, phones they do in nature. Uh, They go on to say the uh, author of the study, Kelton Miner, said it was really the longer visits to wilder areas, outdoor areas like forests and nature preserves that help people get off their screens and rest back their attention from their smartphones. So kind of interesting there as far as, you know, where we use our phone. People who went to just a public park actually increased their phone use. What in the world is going on? That's on our technology. Uh, We need to get more exercise. Put down our phones, put down our video game controllers, and run for our lives. Quite literally, a new study finds that engaging in cardiovascular exercise could decrease the risk of death from flu or pneumonia by a whopping 36%. Cut cut down by one-third your risk of uh, death from flu and pneumonia. Now, I know we're not in flu season right now, but... The study finds that incorporating two weekly muscle strengthening se- muscle strengthening sessions easy for me to say uh, incorporating two weekly muscle strengthening sessions could reduce the risk of death by nearly half. So the news gets, keeps getting better and better. Current guidelines recommend adults participate in at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardiovascular cardiovascular exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous cardiovascular exercise each week. Researchers analyzed data from more than half a million adults who participated in the National Health Interview Survey and found that participants who met both the recommended and muscle-strengthening targets had their risk of death from flu or pneumonia reduced by 48% compared to those who met neither. So, again, long and short of it is, Run for your lives, quite literally in this case. Uh, let's see here. The, um, the food police are back at it again. Did you hear about this? The agriculture department could be moving to ban flavored milk from school cafeterias. The USDA just closed the public comment period on changes in long-term school nutrition standards to cut down on added sugars in school lunch and breakfast programs. The agency says the aim is to reduce exposure to added sugars and promote more nutrient-dense, unflavored milk. <laughs> because what the, what does every kid wants? Unflavored milk. <laughs> I just, that's just the way they term that, unflavored milk. Um, 
That's what we need. We need to be giving kids unflavored milk. No flavor for you. Uh, actually, it's not necessarily such a bad idea. I mean, I, I get it. When they add the chocolate flavoring to milk, that adds an awful lot of extra added sugar that is not good for kids' diet. But if it gets them, that's long been the argument, if it gets them to drink milk, um, then is it on balance a good thing? I mean, do the ends justify the means? It's one of those things. The USDA suggests limiting the amount of chocolate and strawberry milk in high schools and banning it completely in elementary and middle schools. So we'll see what comes of it, but that is uh, the scuttlebutt, is that they are going to ban flavored milk in school. And uh, by the way, the uh, social police uh, are back at it. Not only the food police, but the social police uh, are back at this kind of interesting story. Certainly will generate a lot of buzz, I think. Archie Comics is introducing its first transgender character in the Archie comic books. Uh, Danny Malloy. Now, if you're familiar with the Archie Comics universe, Danny Malloy is a longstanding character, longstanding female character. But Danny will be reintroduced as a male who has transitioned in a spinoff comic. So... It's not the first time that uh, Archie Comics has gone woke. Back in 2010, their first gay character was introduced. And last year, a pansexual character was added to the clan. So Archie Comics added again. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, here is what we have to worry about every Every day we have to, we've got a story that, you know, there's something new that we have to worry about, something we have to be concerned about, something we have to fear. Here's what it is today. Um, It says, due to an influx of baby boomers, the working age population has increased by 17% uh, since the 1960s. But now that boomers are retiring... Will the United States see a long-term labor shortage? You know, there's already a labor shortage. There's uh, a lot of open positions that are going unfilled in this country today. And that problem could be getting worse very soon. In, uh, uh, in April, the unemployment rate declined to its lowest since 1969, signaling that there were very few workers left looking for jobs. And the labor force is only expected to grow 3.6% between this year and 2031, which means that it could be a job seekers market for at least the next decade. In April, hourly earnings jumped 4.4% compared to last year. Employers may need to offer more perks to keep up with a stagnant workforce size, the stagnant size of the workforce. And of course, if they got to pay more, that means they've got to charge more for their products and services. It is an inflationary thing, but labor force shortage could be with us for the next decade. And again, you hear a lot of people say, oh, people don't want to work anymore. It's not that people don't want to work. There just aren't as many people who are out there to work. And with the baby boomers retiring, it's a problem that is not 
going to get better for quite some time. Something to think about there. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high in the low 70s. Clear skies tonight, low in the mid 50s. Longtime Finley resident Weldy Olson has passed away. He was on the original Miracle on Ice U.S. hockey team in 1960 that won the gold medal. Cliff Brown and Rich Fowler joined WFIN's Chris Oaks to share some memories of Weldy. Weldy was so patriotic. I mean, whenever you saw him, he pretty much had his medals somewhere nearby yeah. because he wanted people to know, you know, that the USA went in there in that time frame and beat the Russians. Weldy is a member of the Hancock Sports Hall of Fame, and Finley celebrated Weldy Olson Night in November 2018. Get more memories of and stories about Weldy with this story on our website. This is National Police Week, and a sheriff's deputy from Ohio is among officers honored by the president at the White House. Claremont County Sheriff's Deputy Bobby Pham joined officers from Colorado, Texas, and New York receiving the Medal of Valor, the nation's highest honor for bravery by a public safety officer. In 2021, Pham saved a drowning woman who had driven her car into a lake. The White House said he deserves the award for his clear thinking and composure. The president presented a total of nine medals during a White House ceremony. Tracy Townsend, ONN News. The Wilson Football Factory in Ada is planning an expansion. The current facility has been around for about 80 years and is due for some upgrades. The plan is to double the size of the factory and double the current output of game balls. This expansion will allow for more technology, expand to making game balls other than footballs, and create a comfortable space for employees. The goal is to have the new facility ready to go by this time next year. WTOL 11's Melissa Andrews reporting. Finley High School has announced their valedictorian and salutatorian for the class of 2023. Reed Patterson has been named valedictorian and Arda Dastin salutatorian. Reed and Arda, along with their classmates, will graduate on Saturday, May 27th at 10 a.m. at the University of Finley's Kaler Recreation Complex. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. A quick program note, originally, initially, we had scheduled in this segment to speak with uh, Senator Sherrod Brown about his summer manufacturing camps that their office is putting together for the 11th year. Had a bit of a glitch in the schedule, and we'll have that conversation for you tomorrow morning on the program. But today, we want to highlight this, a new report from the AARP Fraud Watch Network on the proliferation of scams that are impacting mostly seniors. They say incidents of fraud have exploded in recent years with 2.4 million fraud reports and nearly $8.8 billion lost to fraud last year. And that, they say, is likely just a small fraction of the total because the vast majority of fraud, experts believe, goes unreported. Um, The problem is so pervasive that in a new survey by the AARP Fraud Watch Network, two-thirds of Americans say that this is at a crisis level. In fact, the Fraud Watch Network say they get upwards today of four to 500 calls per day 
from people who have been victimized or the target of attempted victimization. Numbers are just staggering. Despite the best efforts of the telecommunications industry and lawmakers, the robocallers are always coming up with better ways to skirt screening systems and flaunt the law, and that's where a lot of these frauds originate. So with that in mind, we want to bring this one out of the archives. Back in May of 2019, because this has been a long-standing issue, back in May of 2019, we spoke with Kathy Stokes, Director of Fraud Prevention Programs for AARP, about what you need to know about minimizing the number of robocalls you get and not falling for the scams when you do get those calls. It is today's Throwback Thursday. The first thing to know is that robocalls themselves are not in and of themselves illegal per se, right? That's absolutely right. If you get a call announcing a school closure, that's robocall technology, and it's right. entirely legitimate to use it that way. But it's when the scammers use the technology you know, for malintent to try to steal our personal information or our money is when we get into some real trouble there. And it, the numbers are like... It, one out of every two, like 50% of all of the calls uh, that are being placed to mobile phones are uh, these types of, of scam calls. You recently uh, did a survey on this topic. What did you find? Well, no surprise, a lot of people are being inundated by these robocalls. Um, but what was a little surprising is that people tend to recognize that scammers can fake the number that shows up on your caller ID. It's something called spoofing. Mm-hmm. You kind of know that happens, but still 59% of us are likely to pick up that call if it's from a local area code. And further, Which... 44% of us are likely to pick up a call if the area code is from where family or friends live. So the scammers know that, and they're going right. to fake the ID to either make it look like it's local, they call that neighbor spoofing, or they make it look like it's coming from an authority like your bank or the Internal Revenue Service mm-hmm. or the Social Security Administration to get you to pick up that call. So if we do pick up the call, uh, then how do we recognize uh, the, the scam? Well, typically, the ones that seem to be most successful these days are ones that rely on fear and intimidation. So if I'm saying I'm from the Internal Revenue Service and you owe back taxes, and if you don't pay right away by calling this number back, um, we're going to send agents to have you arrested. Mm-hmm. Fear sells. So if someone is trying to intimidate you into taking an action and there's urgency to it, chances are that that's a complete scam. And how do we then protect ourselves? Again, it doesn't appear that uh, shutting down these things or, or turning off the spigot is going to happen uh, anytime soon, either through you know filtering technology or legislation, which fraudsters are probably not going to pay any attention to anyway. Uh, so since they're out there and they're not going away, how then can we protect ourselves uh, from falling from these? Well, it's a really hard lesson, but and, and a lot of people just can't do this because they're they're geared to answer every call that comes through. But don't answer a call unless you know specifically who's calling you. You can let that call go to voicemail or let it get picked up by the answering machine and make the determination after you've heard the message on whether or not you need to call back. But even before that, everybody should drop what they're doing right now and go to the web and go to do not call dot gov. That's the National Do Not Call Registry. 
If you put your numbers on there, it's going to really, really tamp down the legitimate calls that come through. Of course, a scammer's not going to look at that list, right? Right. But it'll cut down on the legitimate calls because if a legitimate telemarketer is going to call you and you're on that registry, you're going to get a big fine from the FCC. They don't want that to happen. So it will cut down on the calls. And then the calls that do come through, it's more likely that that call is going to be a scam and you're not going to want to answer it. Okay, I see what you're saying. It won't do anything to prevent the fraudsters from calling, but if they're theoretically the only ones calling, then you you know that you've got uh, something nefarious to deal with there. Yeah, you got it. That's the idea. So uh, you, you mentioned resisting that urge to answer the phone when it rings, even when it is a quote-unquote or it appears to be a local uh, number because we know the uh, spoofing. Is there anything else? I mean, just by answering the phone, are we putting ourselves at risk? If I answer and I hear it's a, a, record, a recorded message or some kind of a robocall or it immediately sends up those red flags and I hang up, I don't say anything, I don't press any buttons or, or anything, am I putting myself at risk just by virtue of a- answering the phone? Well, what you're putting yourself at risk for is more call volume, because if that if the phone is picked up, that's an indication to the inbound caller that that's a live call, uh, a live answer. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be more likely to get more calls because your number's going to be bought and sold all over the place to other scammers. Um, and then if you're on that call and you take an action, like if it says, you know, press one to speak to a live operator, you press that number. Um, two things are happening. One is that's more proof that that's a good number to, to be trying to call again. Mm-hmm. But then it puts you right on, in, on the phone with an aggressive pitch from a scammer. Right. And you don't want to do that. I, I've also heard uh, some people say that if you say something, like, for example, if somebody on the other end simply asks, can you hear me, and you answer yes, they'll record that and make it sound like you said yes to something else that they bill you for or something like that. Yeah, you know, we, we heard a lot of that last year. We have a Fraud Watch Network helpline, and a lot of people were coming in saying, I just did this, am I at risk? And we heard a lot of people being afraid about it, but mm-hmm. we haven't heard of a single case where that's actually okay. resulted in some form of scam or fraud. Okay. Still probably not a good idea to take that risk. Right. I mean, the best idea is to just let the calls get screened by your voicemail or mm-hmm. uh, your answering machine. Yeah. Uh, again, we mentioned lawmakers are trying to address this. The uh, teleco- uh, telecommunications companies are, are trying to address this. I- any chance, based on, you know, obviously you follow this very closely, is there any chance that any of this is going to be successful, or is this something that we're just going to have to live with moving forward? Well, no, I think that there there are some positive actions that can be uh, taken through legislation and regulation. And Congress is, right now, there's a Senate bill that's pretty hot that um, would address a lot of this problem. And the FCC itself has put out um, notice of some regulations of proposed rulemaking, they call it, mm-hmm. that would tamp down on a lot of these. And the industry really wants the okay to take some technological um, action to stop these calls. But you have to remember, robocall technology is legal. Right. So you can't just blanket block robocalls because yeah. you're blocking legal calls. Too. And so it's, it's a complex issue, but I do believe that there's a lot of energy um, in the public sector and in the private sector to make change because this is just 
driving everybody crazy, and it's dangerous. Yeah, and uh, but getting rid of it entirely, as we know from generation of, after generation of scam artists, that uh, as soon as people catch on and, and figure out how to thwart uh, one level of scam, uh, the the scam artists will come up with new and different ways. So always have to be on our guard uh, with respect to this. Kathy Stokes, again, Director of Fraud Prevention Programs for AARP. Where do we get more information? Yeah, head over to aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. You can get tips on how to fend off uh, illegal robocalls and a whole range of other scams to protect yourselves and your family. Again, from May of 2019, our conversation with Kathy Stokes, uh, Director of Fraud Prevention Programs for AARP, about minimizing robocalls and how to deal with them so that you don't fall for those scams. Interesting to note, did you catch that there, that conversation from four years ago, and there was talk about uh, legislation and action by the telecommunications companies to try and tamp down on these robocalls. And yet, as we know, four years later, it continues to be an issue, again, citing that report that was out just this week from that same AARP Fraud Watch Network, talking about $8.8 billion lost to 2.4 million scams last year alone, and two-thirds of Americans say this is still a crisis. Details at our webpage, go to goodmornings.net to learn more. Well, with Armed Forces Day coming up this weekend and Memorial Day right around the corner, we are joined this morning by the National Commander of the American Legion. His name is Vincent J. Jim Triola. And Commander, first of all, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Um, I think it's important to kind of make sure that people understand the the Legion is about much more than just having a place for veterans to go to have a drink or a hog roast or to play cards with their buddies, what have you. You have long been an advocate for issues that impact those who have served. What is the top issue that you are making the appeal for in 2023? The uh, number one priority we have in the American Legion right now is preventing veteran suicide. Removing the stigma of a veteran that uh, of a veteran stepping forward for help. We, we feel that this is a huge priority. The statistics would just blow your mind that uh, we've lost 125,000 veterans since 9-11 to suicide. That's an extraordinary number. 6,000 veterans a year. And we feel that uh, if we can get these, uh, these veterans the help that they need, the veterans at risk, through a peer-to-peer program we started called Be The One, we feel that uh, we can make a difference by saving one veteran's life at a time. You hear numbers uh, 17 a day, 22 a day, 40 a day. Unfortunately and uh, emotionally, we can't do anything for those veterans because they're gone. But if we could uh, use our buddy check system, that's a well-being phone call or a, or a personal visit, we know we can make a difference if we can identify those veterans at risk, get them the immediate help that they need, and uh, get them on a path to recovery. And how we intend to do that is we have uh, 12,000 Legion posts all throughout the United States. And what we're doing is we're setting them up, them up as resource centers for veterans at risk. We know that when a veteran talks to a veteran, uh, the language is under, understood more clearly than if a non-veteran would talk to them because we all understand, we all serve together, and we know uh, what a service member goes through in deployment. 
some of them uh, were, you know, exposed to things that nobody would ever want to see. And we want to make sure, you know, we want to make sure that that local community can get them the help because if we wait for the VA, and I'm I'm not saying anything bad about the VA, the VA is a great healthcare system, but they're suffering with staff shortages just like the rest of the country. Right. So if you have a veteran that needs, you know, a veteran that needs help and they've got to wait four, five, six weeks for an appointment, maybe in that four, four, five, six week gap, we could get them some local help and get them on the path, you know, whether it's a VA or it's a regular doctor that they use. So um, we've, we've had some successes. We've been doing this now for a, about uh, three years. Uh, the biggest year has been this year because this is when we started pushing it all around the country. Mm-hmm. And we've got testimonials on our be the one.org page, uh, the American Legion uh, testimonials from family members that have lost uh, family members, but also testimonials from those who reached out for help and got help and saved their lives. So, you know, and I got specific uh, instances of that. It's actually amazing. It's a very emotional thing. You go out yeah. there and talk to people, you know, and you make, make them aware of it and you have family members come up to you afterwards and start crying and telling you about uh, things that happened in their families with suicides or tried to commit suicide and you can understand that 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 initiative we took on is definitely worth worth uh, every yeah. bit of it. So, well, uh, yeah. how how much of this issue of veteran suicide uh, could uh, be addressed uh, or or be uh, mitigated somewhat with better transition assistance for those who are separating from military service? I know that there is some transition assistance. But it, that's one of the other issues that I know the American Legion has long advocated for is uh, more comprehensive resources to be made available for that uh, transition that can be uh, incredibly emotional and sometimes very difficult in and of itself. You know, I'm glad you asked that question. It, the, uh, at one time, when, it, when a service member went forward to a commanding officer and told them about issues that they're having you know, mental with mental health, they were considered cowards and, you know, you know, they go send you to the infirmary and the next day you're back on the job. But that's changing quite a bit. There is uh now when you go to a commanding officer and you tell them what's going on, they get you instant help. So that's, that's a good thing because we feel that if it starts in the military, uh, what better way than to have them go through the uh, therapy in the military before they get out? Because a lot of them uh, get out and they're, they're they're not identified as veterans of risk, and that's uh, and you're right, the transition is not so smooth. But we're hearing more and more uh, positive stories from the military that have identified service members at risk because they have a suicide problem in the in the military as well. You know, there's a there's a, a ship. I think it's the USS George Washington. I think it is that uh, the ship's in dry dock. Mm-hmm. They've got like uh, five or six. Uh, Sailors on there took their own lives. You know, it's sitting in a dry dock in a ship is not like looking out at the water. You're looking at a wall, so, you know, right. so it can be very depressing. And the other thing we, and the other thing is we're doing in, uh, with is we have, we have a, a veterans employment and education commission in Washington and they, they, uh, sponsor job fairs all over the country and so do our legion posts. And we, and we, uh, we do that for service members that are transitioning because a lot of this suicide is the, is the veteran sitting home with no job. Right. 
Yeah, and where that, they can't hold a job. Yeah, they're, that feeling of worthlessness. They can't, they can't find a job. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the more we do while they're in the, while they're in the service, I even understand that the transition assistance has been. Uh, they start giving it a year before they get out. It used to be a much shorter time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. So uh, they're coming around. I, th- I think that uh, I'm not going to say it's like that in all the bases, but from what I what I hear on the road. Uh, they're making a, a, a good effort to help these vet, these uh, service members when they're, uh, you know, they, they see things when they're deployed that nobody ever would, would ever want to see, you know, yeah. so and the, that's, and, that's part of it. And the more that we can do as a community to support these efforts uh, to reach these veterans who need help, uh, the better off we all will be. You mentioned that you actually have an entire website set up dedicated to just this issue. Let's mention that again real quickly. So it's be the one.org and in there you you'll find out how you can how you can help in this project and, and a a big piece of this, and I told you about Legion Posts, is not just Legion Posts. When I say community, we're asking for help from everybody. This is not a, a thing where the American Legion is going to say we did it. We want everybody involved in this. It's uh, this is a this is the country's problem. It's not just uh, yeah, you know, we, we all got to realize what's going on out there, and uh, we also got to remember that the, the new veterans uh, suicide hotline is actually a suicide hotline for all suicides. It's nine eight eight, and you, if you uh, if you press press uh, extension one, that's strictly for veterans, and the rest of it's for regular suicides, no, all suicides. And so it's uh, it, you, you know we also sponsor an indie car, and I don't know if you you know what that's all about. We uh, we went into sports sponsorships about three years ago with Chip Ganassi Racing, and uh, we've got the number ten be the one car was won a race this last weekend at the Indianapolis. That's the first time. And uh, that's strictly for suicide awareness. So the, the, the res, it's resonating throughout the country. You know, every one of those races is televised mm-hmm. uh, every week. And it reaches about six to eight million people. So the, uh, and- the communities at large, the corporations that are stepping up that want to help, and the private companies and the nonprofits, it's absolutely amazing that yeah, the uh, people that are reaching out and trying to help with this situation. It's good. The, the more the more we can uh, raise awareness, uh, the better the outcomes will be. And as we know, Memorial Day is the observance of those who gave the ultimate sacrifice and service to the country. These are numbers that don't necessarily add to that, those statistics, but they are still lives lost many times as a direct result of service experiences. Absolutely. And if we can recognize those as such, we can kind of drive home the importance. Again, uh, Commander Vincent J. Jim Triola, uh, a National Commander of the American Legion with us this morning. Jim, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. We've all been on bad dates before, but this is a really bad date here. Um, it was... <laughs> I don't know where uh, there's... Uh, oh, yes, I do. I'm sorry. Dateline is Miami on this story. Miami, Florida. <laughs> um, let's see here. It, I don't have the names. The names were not given in the report. The place. Now, Miami police are searching for a woman they believe drugged a date in order to steal more than half a million dollars worth of 
Rolex watches and jewelry and everything else she could lay her sticky little fingers on. Police claim that the suspect took a uh, Rolex, two Rolex watches, gold chain, diamond ring, Cartier sunglasses, and a number of gold bracelets from a male victim who says he came home with the woman early in the morning of May 8th. The pair shared a drink and the man promptly fell asleep. When he woke up, his safe was open and the jewelry was gone. <laughs> Police indicated the suspect intentionally left little evidence because she even took the glasses that the couple had been drinking out of. So they can't even get like fingerprints or DNA or anything from that. She was pretty thorough. You know, we often say that you know, we have dumb criminals in the news. They're a very smart criminal. Uh, the the guy was dumb bringing home a date <laughs> you know, to his house. <laughs> Don't do that this day and age. Can't trust anyone. Mm. And I've been on some bad dates before. That's a really bad date right there. Elsewhere in the broken news, a Southern California topless bar is on the verge of making history. The dancers there are set to become the only unionized strippers in the nation. The recognition came after more than a year-long battle with club management. 15 dancers signed a petition back in March, which demanded better working conditions. Um, 19 of the uh, dancers are eligible to join the union. The National Labor Relations Board will count the votes this week. It could be the first topless bar uh, to go unionized. Um, look for the union label. Where do you? Where would you put the union label? Uh, what I'm wondering. Uh, no, never mind. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, you talk about unusual thefts. A Minnesota man is being charged with stealing the famous ruby red slippers worn by Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Now, what are you going to do with those? I mean, honestly, I mean, I understand the attraction. It's, you know, movie memorabilia. It's classic memorabilia. But what are you going to do with a Minnesota grand jury has indicted 76-year-old Terry Martin for the 2005 theft of the slippers from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. The slippers were recovered by police during a sting operation in 2018 in Minneapolis. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they're back, but can you imagine uh, the the cops planning this? All right, we're going to call this Operation Ruby Slippers. You have a whole sting operation to recover <laughs> Judy Carlin's slippers. <clears throat> uh, they are just, uh, this pair is one of just four known surviving pairs from the 1939 movie and are currently valued at three and a half million dollars. So, I mean, they're very valuable. And I, like I said, I understand the attraction uh, and all of that. Who wouldn't want to own a piece of cinematic history like that, pop culture history like that? But what are you going to do with it? I mean, you can't auction them off. Everybody knows that they're missing. So, I don't know. Weird thing to steal, I think. Um, elsewhere in the broken news... This was kind of a bizarre incident in Murrieta, California. Um, <laughs> a, a driver was caught cruising through the neighborhood of Marietta in a 
Toyota Camry that was missing a front wheel. <laughs> Just driving around the neighborhood on three wheels. The peculiar sight caught the attention of an officer on patrol, as you might expect. Uh, the officer promptly attempted to pull the suspect over, um, but that led to a, a brief chase. The driver eventually stopped in a parking lot. It was later discovered that the driver was involved in not one, but two hit-and-run crashes, and one of the victims actually identified the suspect's vehicle. Hard to miss, missing a wheel, you know. Uh, the uh, driver was, fortunately, no injuries in either incident. Uh, the uh, driver was arrested on charges of DUI, his second in a month. So. <laughs> yeah, when you're driving around on three wheels in a four-wheel vehicle, eh, you're probably going to get some attention there. Um... This from Santa Rosa, California. California, very well represented in the broken news today. Santa Rosa, California. A man was arrested in a supermarket parking lot on Tuesday night on suspicion of stabbing a man and trying to carjack two other drivers. Uh, Fortunately, the stabbing victim only had a small wound to the upper arm. He was patched up and released. He's going to be fine. Uh, The other drivers uh, in the attempted carjackings, no injuries there. Uh, the man, in addition to uh, the stabbing and the attempted carjacking, was also accused of slashing another vehicle's tires with his knife. Um, he was uh, arrested on charges of criminal trespassing um, and other charges may be pending. What's crazy about this story is that this same man was freed from jail just a few hours before his this latest arrest. He was just, just released from jail hours before all of this went down. And what's even crazier, he was released with a citation and told to appear in court at a later date. (laughs) Released on his own recognizance. What do you think the chances are he's going to show up? That's what I want to know. And finally, in the broken news this morning... Police, or residents, rather, of uh, uh, Chatham Township, New Jersey. Residents there are finally breathing a sigh of relief after police have captured an elusive criminal mastermind who had been terrorizing the community with his piercing gaze. No, it's not a peeping Tom. It's a peeping goat. That's right. The horned hoodlum have been spotted around the community peeking into homes like a nosy neighbor on steroids. (laughs) Earlier in the week, the Chatham Township Police Department said that they were actively looking for the animal, urging anyone who came into contact with it to give them a call, uh, reporting that a local farm would be willing to take the goat when it was safely apprehended. Fortunately, the other day, Uh, They did apprehend the peeping goat, and he is uh, being taken care of. According to reports, the goat is not a resident of the local Creekside Farms, but the police do know who the owner is. So, (laughs) but fortunately, they have captured the peeping Tom goat there in New Jersey. All is well. They can sleep soundly once again. 
There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Vlance with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A new poll suggests that a majority of Americans view artificial intelligence as a threat to human civilization. There have been an awful lot of scary stories about AI and its capabilities in the news uh, recently. And uh, Reuters and Ipsos put a poll out there. About 61% of those in the survey view AI as a threat. 22% disagree with that assertion. 17% are just not sure yet. Very uh, interesting breakdown of the numbers when you look at it across political and religious lines. You see some very different takes on all of this. 70% of people who voted for Donald Trump in 2020 say we are at risk because of the rise of AI. 70%. 70%. Only 60% of Joe Biden voters uh, felt the same way is kind of interesting. Also, evangelical Christians were the most skeptical of the rapidly advancing technology. 32% said that they strongly agree with the assertion that it is a threat to humankind. 32% strongly agree with that statement compared to 24% of uh, the rest of the population overall. All that said, we have apparently got more pressing concerns As much as we are worried about AI being a threat to human civilization, 82% of those in the poll said that they are worried more about a recession. 77% say the rising crime supersedes their fear of the rise of machines. (laughs) Famous last words, right? Well, of course, we've been talking about travel quite a bit as we count down to the start of the summer vacation season, and nearly everyone has at least one travel adventure on their bucket list, right? Well, imagine seeing all seven wonders of the world, and imagine seeing them all in seven days. A British adventurer, better known as Adventure Man, real name Jamie McDonald, did just that. And uh, Jen Cato is with us this morning. She is with Travelport, the uh, company that made booking the world's most complex trip possible. So, Jen, how did this all come together? Well, we are really fond of his adventure man. You know, he his backstory is fascinating because he was born with a, um, a spinal disorder and he was told he wouldn't walk. And a number of hospitals and doctors helped him walk again. And since then, he's dedicated his life to fundraising for sick children. He has walked across the U.S. He's walked across Canada. He cycled from Thailand to the U.K. Uh, so we're a big fan of his. And we wanted to put our next generation platform, Travel Port Plus, to the ultimate test. Because <laughs> we talk about how fast it is how easy it is to use if you're a travel agent. So we thought if we could put together the most complicated adventure, send Jamie to test 
and set a, a Guinness World Record, that would really prove that our technology does make the agent's life much easier and yep. simpler. So I'm happy to say we did that. That would that would certainly do it. Uh, now, we had hoped to have Jamie with us as well to share some of the highlights personally, but I guess he's probably off on another adventure already. So I'll ask you, uh, kind of talk about some of the amazing locations that he visited uh, in this incredible trip. So Jamie, we've been hearing his story, so I can tell you from the heart, Jamie had a wonderful time. He started in China at the Great Wall, and he tobogganed down the backside of the Great Wall to get to back to the airport faster to sort of keep safe <laughs> with his plan. And he and it, it was incredible. And, and the video footage of it is just is so heartwarming. Um, and he ended the adventure in Chichen Itza in Mexico. And in between there, let's see, he visited uh, four different continents, nine different countries, 13 different flights, a number of trains, buses, one toboggan, um, all of this to set a Guinness World Record. He did come in under seven days he came in at six days 16 hours and 14 minutes wow powered by Port plus was thrilled about that yeah so you know his stories are great the only downside if i had to pick one was that he didn't sleep because when you sleep there's no time for a hotel when you're setting a world record <laughs> and he slept about 12 hours over seven days total so, so I don't recommend that path. Yeah, uh, definitely not. I, I was going to ask, you know, did all of this come off without a hitch? I would imagine that there were, you know, some lows to go along with the highs uh, along the way. There had to have been, didn't they? Certainly. I mean, you think about you take one trip and, and something can happen, right? So you get delayed or you, you miss an event or something. Yeah. Times seven. So he actually, we had a really sort of heart-wrenching moment. He went accidentally to the wrong terminal in Rome. He was on his flight to Brazil. And he missed his flight from Rome to Brazil, which had multiple legs, by the way, through Lisbon, et cetera, et cetera. And so if he missed one, he was going to miss the whole domino effect of all right. of that. Yeah. And travel bag. Yeah, I mean, it was really it's such an argument for working with a travel agency because travel bag, the agency that uses Travel Port Plus, was on with him through our app within minutes, got him on the next flight. That's the AI-powered technology we have that served up the right offer. And he ran over to the terminal, got on the flight, set the whole thing back on track. We all kind of slept well that night. So, yeah, sure, a number of things can happen on a trip like this. So, obviously, that just speaks to the... Uh the type of technology that you're talking about, I'll give you a chance to sort of toot your own horn a little bit. Talk a little bit about the technology that is making even the most complicated uh, trips uh, easier to navigate and how this next generation platform, you call it Travelport Plus, uh, makes uh, booking whatever travel adventure we have uh, easier and simpler. Yeah, so I'll give you a real, like a real life example of it since, you know, we're all travelers. You know, when you go to book a flight and every single airline has its own version of what economy class looks like. Right. But how do you compare those offers, right? How do you know, okay, this price for that is better than this price? Well, our platform is powered by AI. And what that does is it kind of normalizes all of the options so that you can compare apples to apples. Now, if you're a travel agent, you're doing that so many times a day. You have to do it really quickly. So that's what we do is we power those online travel agencies and those travel agents to be able to get that right offer through Travel Port Plus. And 
you know, speed is of the essence when you're traveling. Any, like we were talking about this now, anything could kind of happen. Sure. And so let's say if you're on a personal trip and you're not trying to set a Guinness world record, you could miss a wedding. You could miss a bit, an important business meeting. So it's really important that the technology uh, support a great experience. So is this platform uh, available direct to consumers or is this uh, through travel agents uh, and, and uh, services that handle that for the end consumer? Yeah, it, it's through travel. It, it, it's through travel agents and online travel agencies. So odds are you've actually probably already used our software without knowing it. It powers a number of bookings out there uh, around the world in almost every country. So uh, you know, there's nothing you need to do there. If you do want to visit our website, you can watch all of the really fun videos for the Seven Wonders Adventure. Watch Adventure Man. Uh, you can book the trip if you want through Travel Bag on Travelport Plus. I don't recommend booking a seven-day <laughs> trip to Seven Wonders. This was for charity, right? And but at least, at, le- technology out. at least we know it can be done. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it will be very hard to beat. I honestly, good luck to you if you can beat that record. <laughs> uh, Jen, again, Jen Cato is with us this morning. She is with Travelport, uh, the uh, company that made uh, booking this incredible uh, trip of Seven Wonders in Seven Days, or or less uh, actually possible and we'll get a link up on our webpage if you want to uh, check out the uh, videos of the adventure it is pretty uh, incredible stuff jen thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you so much it's been fun and that will finish up our podcast for today I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning and remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net Coming up tomorrow on the program, the average age of cars on the road is now at 12 and a half years. That's a new record. Kelly Blue Book is out with their list of the best family vehicles in case it's getting time to replace yours. And also, you'll hear our conversation with Senator Sherrod Brown, who this week kicked off his annual summer manufacturing camp program. It's another resource to help young people discover and explore career opportunities in manufacturing in Ohio. We originally had that on the schedule for today, a quick change, and that will be tomorrow on the program. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Good morning.